Hello, good evening. This is Yemi Majekodumi from Widow Recovery Secrets again. And this is series nine of our Thriving Widow series. I'm pleased here to have Tracy Moes with me. She's a mother of two. She lives in Cornwall. This is the first lady I've actually got on my podcast from the United Kingdom, actually. And she emigrated from the US to be with her late husband, who was a serving naval officer at RNAS Codros. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I'm not going to say too much because the ladies here, the beautiful ladies here herself. So I'm going to hand it over to her. And we just ask you, Tracy, you're welcome. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. It's a pleasure to meet women, to, be, to meet like-minded women, and especially a widow who is here to, be, to honor the invitation and share your journey. And so you're welcome. So please, can you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your journey and where you are today? Sure, thank you, Yemi. It's nice to be here. And um, thank you very much for the invitation. Okay. I'm always, I feel like um, I am a widow, but I often feel a bit of a fraud in these situations um, because I think a lot of times people expect um, widows to really be defined by mm their loss and defined by their late husband but my marriage wasn't brilliant mm. and so for me widowhood brought freedom so we might talk about that a little bit later because I know you had some questions so anyway I'll just put that out there and I know there's no right and wrong and that everybody's journey is different um, but the grief that I feel is not my loss it's my loss to my children mm. So, but anyway, as you might have noticed or may not have noticed that I don't sound Cornish, I don't really sound British, and um, I have lived here for 16 years, but I am still American. Um, my journey, as you said, I did move over to be with my husband. Um, we were both naval officers when we met, so I was in the U.S. Navy. Um, we met at postgraduate school, so I do have a master's degree in oceanography and meteorology which has absolutely nothing to do with image consultancy, but there you go. Um, I have quite a vibrant life in that. I'm active in a rowing club, so I do a lot of fine boat rowing, which I learned to do at university. And I play French horn, which I don't think I put in um, the, the bio I sent you. Um, so I do that as well, as well as raising my children um, and running my own business, which I never imagined in a zillion mm -hmm. <laughs> years I would ever be doing. Um, That's so amazing. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, because um, it's interesting, just to pick up on something you said, because I say to people that the way people lost their husbands and how the relationship was, and also there's a fantasy element to loss as well. I find a lot of, even because there's no relationship that was ever perfect. So when I'm talking to widows, I, I tend to say that when we dwell on it for too long, it starts to become like a fantasy that wasn't because no relationship was perfect, you know? And I picked up from you, obviously, that you, you miss them. Obviously, you miss him also because of your children, especially. And I can relate to that. And with me... My relationship wasn't perfect and we had a, a lot of differences in our faith, like where we were in our faith. And it was one of my greatest challenges. However, 
he was a lovely man. And obviously, as we both agree, he's the father, he was the father of our children, uh, the men we lost. All right, we're gonna go on to the next question. Um, you've more or less said who you are. So, but what I find very fascinating about you, Tracy, is the reason why I invited you here was because when I talk to widows, I talk about, I can only give my story. And my story is when you have experienced loss, you learn to reinvent yourself. You have to, I had to learn to reinvent myself because there's something about which you rightly said about, there's a stigma around being a widow and people expect you to be a certain way. And I find even the day my husband passed away, when people came to see me, it's not what they expected. And I believe that was due to my faith. But however, I still felt there was a time in my life where I had to reinvent myself, where I became a single woman again. So my question to you, as you're in the house of color, your consultant stylist, it ties so well in the area of reinvention. So my question would be, how can you reinvent yourself after the impact of what, or after the impact of losing a spouse? And many women do feel they obviously they are part of a union or many times spiritually you become one depending on what faith you're coming from. So how do you, would you put in the context of reinvention and with the work you do in terms of even colors? And because I said to people like with me, I decided to change my hairstyle. I said, like you can even decide to change your color. You might decide to change your wardrobe completely. So I hand that to you. So, so the work that I do, whilst yeah. it is um, with clothes and yes. you know, the colour palette that you wear, it's really more about rediscovering who you've always been Good. Okay. rather than yeah. coming up with a new persona. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have to in your brain sort of accept your new circumstances yes yeah. and it doesn't mean that you don't have to deal with the fact that your life is obviously taking a massive change but the really powerful thing and what I do is that a lot of what I do is just a conversation quite like we're having yeah. now but we yeah. have we chat about likes and dislikes and the messages that we want to give the world because when we get dressed we tell the world something mm. whether we realize it or not and it's often the first time that my clients, who are primarily women, have taken the time to actually consider what they want and who they are without the restrictions of what other people think we should be. Mm -hmm. And so my um, relationship with my husband um, was he was very controlling and you know so a lot of the things that I could and couldn't do were a reflection of him and so when he was no longer there yeah. then it gave me the freedom to actually go back and go actually I'm more than a wife I'm more than a widow I'm more than a mother I'm more than a daughter I'm more than a sister I am myself and I have all these other roles that yes. enhance who yes. I am but it's about finding that core person mm. that we were born to be mm. so in that sense it's not really reinventing it's okay. just discovering mm. and unearthing that person yeah. that God made us mm. I think what, what is in what you've just said although I use the quotes reinvention 
it still ties in in what, what I try to say is that before you were married, you were single and you knew what you wanted. But what tends to happen to some women, not every woman, is when you marry, your identity can merge into the identity of your spouse. So when people say to me, oh, I've been widowed for 10, 15 years and I'm still married to my dead husband, I tend to take that. There was, what were you, what did you always want before? There must have been something mm. you wanted. There must have been who you were before so-and-so came along. And that could be your starting point of where you want to go in the future. Your future could even be better than your before when you were married or even when you were single. So, but I tend to use it from a psychological point of view, like mm. in terms of which links to what you're saying, your inner core, who are you as a person? There's some people who still, at some point, they still keep, keep their individuality even when they're married, but not so much as when you're single because there's a lot of compromise in, in the relationships anyway, in any form of relationship. Yes. But then there's an element where you just, some people just know what they want and what they don't want. So when the past spouses passed away and you're still continually, years later, still saying you're married to your dead husband, I try to encourage people that you need to find who you want to be now in your new singleness. Because people sometimes, when they're like that, they might not be able to relate far back to what they were and what they now, value. not values, what they now needs were then. Because if you're still, still telling me that 15 years later, you're married to your dead husband, you're still saying your identity is still merged with the dead person. Yeah. That's why I see it, you know. And, it, I, and I'm not being... And I, hope, I appreciate the audience, whoever listens to this, I'm not being hard, but I can only tell my story. And my story is after one year, when I found I was still here, strong and hale and hearty, mm. I thought to myself, well, I can do it. And I started writing my book. But everyone walks grief differently. So, of course, of yeah. course they do. Yeah. And everyone's story is different, but no relationship is perfect. No, yeah. they aren't. And, yeah. um, I really think that women particularly do themselves a disservice by getting wrapped up totally mm -hmm. yeah. in those labels, in those roles that we take on. Yes, yeah. Because nothing is guaranteed in life. You don't know what's gonna happen. My first pregnancy, I miscarried. Never did I think yes, that yeah. would happen. Yeah. Um, I went on, of course, and I'm a mother of, of two lovely daughters. Um, and if I hadn't miscarried, I wouldn't have them. So I am a, I'm a big believer in the paths that we take are important. And even if they're hard and, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons from the path that I've taken. It wasn't the easiest one and it wasn't always the happiest one, but it was important that I do it. Yeah. And I may not know why it was important but i do believe that in the end it all it all leads you to the place that you're meant to be yeah you know so that higher calling but i totally agree i always say i'm not the kind of person to die in a ditch right mm -hmm. something bad happens you kind of you know you might sink down a little bit but i am very much of one i move forward i try mm -hmm. to always move forward i look to the past to learn the lessons but I see no point in getting stuck there. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's very similar to how I see things. 
So can I ask you, so what has been one factor that strengthened your recovery in terms of, I know you're, you're now in a relationship, but what would you say was one factor that enabled you to start to see the future and start to move forward from the loss? Uh, so for me, I'm a great one for, um, you get overwhelmed, of course, and yeah. because I had my two children, they were um, 11 and 8 when their father died, and he died at home, and they were there, so, I mean, if nothing else, right, as a mother, you rise to the challenge of, like, I need to provide for my children, I need to make sure that, you know, they have the support they need, because it's going to be traumatic, and you, you cast your mind forward and you think oh we know their dad won't be at their graduations and he won't be at their weddings and they won't you know all the things that they're going to miss out on by not having as of course when they're little you, you know little children never expect that their parents to, would die I mean my parents I'm very fortunate both my parents are still alive they're in their 70s but you know you know the time is coming but children that's not even something usually within their realm of consciousness so I think probably the children were the first thing. Um, if I hadn't had the children, I'm still, I think the core of me is still on the, I'm a move forward kind of person. Okay. But children are immediate, aren't yeah, they? They're yes. that, they're right in your face. You yes, can't. yeah. <laughs> you can't ignore them. And it's your, it's, it's like your motivation in a sense, because they're mm. looking, I find they look to you straight away, like what's going to happen? So yeah, that's, thank you for that. So what would you identify as one specific challenge a widow might face in our part of the world, which is England? And I say that in the context of, because um, I've spoken to a lot of widows from different continents and I find there is the, obviously the commonalities someone has passed in the home, but there's so many different things that people experience in different parts of the world that even blow my mind. I think, I think perhaps, um, certainly in the Western world, and um, having miscarried in the US and being widowed in the UK, I think there's a lot of things that are quite similar. Yeah. I think that what's common about both cultures is that people are really terrible <laughs> as a society about discussing death mm. in whatever form it takes. We don't know how to deal with it. We don't talk about it openly. It's like it's this big secret that nobody ever has to deal with, which is ridiculous because if you were born into this world, there is only one outcome, right? And we we don't talk about mm -hmm. it. So people are then because we don't talk about it as a society, and so people are uncomfortable with having that discussion at all, and then they don't know what to say to you. You know, and sometimes, like, I've met people and, you know, they find out after they've known me for a while that I'm a widow and then they apologize. They're like, well, it's okay. It's totally mm -hmm. fine. But then they feel embarrassed because they didn't know. How are they supposed to know? You don't just introduce yourself as I'm a widow. You know, they might ask. It might come up somehow. But it's not, I don't leave with that. So mm -hmm. why would they know? But there's just this discomfort with, discuss with having hard conversations. So could it would that, be easier if yeah. we talked about it. Yeah, but do you think that leaves people quite isolated if they if they're not ones to be able to 
move forward you know people grieve obviously yeah. different some are quicker than others and some are make decisions quicker and some just can't do it for a long time see the future can it can be quite isolating can't it and if, and if you don't feel like if you feel like it makes people uncomfortable yeah and you're already in an isolated hmm. um situation then you're not going to bring it up are you because yeah. you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. And sometimes people are so uncomfortable, they won't even talk to you. Or they won't, you know, people, you hear about stories like people won't even look at you or they won't mention um, the person who died. I mean, we talk about Andrew, the girl's father. We talk about him yes. a lot. Yes. I mean, it might just be in passing. It's not, he's still their father. Whether mm. he's with us or not, he's their father. Good and bad, all the good stuff. I mean, there's a lot of um, the Navy community is quite small, so I obviously know quite a lot of his um, service members and friends, and they he was very highly respected. So then I'm also careful about that because my relationship with him was not their relationship with him, and so it it can be this very complex dance of different relationships and different people, but if if we can't talk about it, then all it does is you just feel lonely, whatever your situation was. And then you have to, do, that means people can't, they have to pretend they're okay when they're not, mm. if there's an open conversation, it's very sad. Okay, um, what I wanted to ask you as well is, what are your views on dating and perhaps your marriage when people have faced loss? <laughs> Um, this is a big one in the widow in the widow community. It's so big. I I think the biggest um, I think the biggest thing about it because I am well, quote unquote dating. I have a, I not have a partner. Um, I think it's the judgment. Mm. Who you know people like to pass judgment on. Well they've only been dead for a month or they've only been dead for three years or whatever, whatever this magical length of time yeah. is. I know there used to be quite, you know, mourning, you know, particularly in Britain, right? Queen mm -hmm. Victoria, her massive periods of mourning. There were lots of societal rules about it, but those are just rules. They actually don't, it's an individual choice. Mm -hmm. um, I learned a lot. I learned what I would and wouldn't up with and you know I had a, I had a lot of things like I'm like I'm not doing that and I'm not having that mm -hmm. and that's fine I had my own set of rules but I didn't really care what anyone else thought my only concern was whether or not my children were happy in that yeah and they wanted me to be happy and that was enough for me I, did, I personally I wasn't bothered by anybody else that's <laughs> good yeah but I know not everyone is, has that so I think it's the judgment. I think that gets people like, oh, well, you can't have possibly moved on. Well, mm. who's to say? Who's exactly. to say? And you don't know, as you say, everyone's story is different and everyone's marriage is different. And no one but the people that were married know what, what's going on inside that marriage. Definitely. And I, even, I say to people that within the context of the Christian faith, the Bible says, when till death do us part. Once they've passed... Who is anyone to say when you're going to date again, you know? And who is to, they're not with you when you're feeling lonely or isolated or whatever. And mm. people are adults. They make their own decisions and live with the decisions they make. 
Yeah, but there is a lot of judgment. There's a lot of stigma. Like there's an expectation in some settings where you're meant to be this saint that is just going to be there and raising the child and not have a relationship, not feel, or just keep loving the dead person. I've met people, women who've told me that. Or like certain things, some cultures hold you bound for a certain period of time to mourn. And so it's just, it's just amazing. It's just an amazing topic. But, mm. but I just but, always say to people, nobody should judge you. Whatever, people are still going to say, even if you do whatever you do, people have something to say. So just do what is good for you and let everyone be quiet. <laughs> well, and the other thing I think is if, if the, I like to try to do like, if the situation were reversed. Yeah. Would I want my partner, spouse, husband, you know, whatever, would I want them to be stuck in that life? Life's for living. Mm, life it. is for the living. Definitely. You know, it's a choice. You might choose just to have companions. Well, that's fine too. You might not want another romantic entanglement. Mm. But just because you don't have that doesn't mean you're not going to suffer loss again. So mm. if it's if you're not doing it because you're trying to protect yourself from death, well, as we know, that's, we're all going to end up there in the end. Of so course. So can, I, can you mention three things that keep you inspired? Uh, well, my children keep me inspired. Oh, they keep me um, moving forward. I did actually write these down. Oh, yeah, my belief that everything will work out. So I do, I am Christian, um, so I do always, like, find the silver lining. Yeah. Um, I do believe that, um, I do believe that we have choice. But I do think that, you know, if you're working towards that things will work out, even if we don't always understand yeah. why. Um, and then in my work, I really enjoy supporting my clients to embrace who they are and not everybody's coming at it from widowhood you know but yes, a lot of, of people course. have loss or they've got life changes it's all about life changes and yes. embracing our unique and wonderful selves as we are Definitely. you know and not mm. not needing permission or validation from other people mm. and i think certainly as widows sometimes we get you know as as a married couple sometimes you get stuck into that validation trap yeah and i don't i don't think that's healthy at all in a, in a relationship or not i don't think that's healthy yeah <laughs> and i i mean because i've got daughters as well and i always tend to say to my children that because one of my my own they get to an age where they start seeing or starting to think of relationships and i say what's most important is to tell people what you want don't sort of compromise if you can't come just say i don't like this i don't like that the mm -hmm. most important is to communicate and it's amazing when you look at when i look at some people i've spoken to as widows or even single women the more you lose yourself in something it could be business whatever fitness marriage when something happens the more difficult it is to find yourself, actually. Whilst really you should still, as much as we merge as one, it's spiritually, the Bible says, you still are an individual. And that's why no one should really press, force you to be whatever you're not really. Because part of loving you is acknowledging who you are in that relationship. I've had this discussion with my partner, in fact, because um, we had a discussion about how he just wants to make me happy. And I was like, 
it's not your job to make me happy. It's my job to make me happy. And I, I thought, I think Jerry Maguire has a lot to answer to. I don't know if you've seen that. Film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, there's a really famous line that says, you complete me. And I said, I complete myself. Mm. You add to my life. Yes, You're here yes. because you add to my life. Yeah. But I'm a whole being yes. with or without you. And I think, yeah. I mean, it's taken me a while to get, you know, but I do think it's important because we can't, be responsible for other people's mm. happiness because if we're responsible for their happiness it doesn't mean you can't make somebody's life miserable and you can't add joy to their life yes yes but i think it's a really you're setting yourself up for real misery and heartache sometimes if you expect someone so else because how it. you end up in abusive relationships but don't you think as well society tends to make people feel, especially men, like when they're taking wives or want to marry or vice versa, mm. that they're going to make you happy and the woman is going to do the same. But as a Christian, I, the word even says, you have to consciously decide to be happy mm. with me. And that means beyond what is even going, in your, going on in your circumstances, because there would always be something that's going to happen in the world that will would throw you a curveball so how many times are we going to just dwell on it with me it doesn't mean it doesn't impinge somewhere one way or there but we have to intentionally decide this is the way i'm going to see it and this is how i'm going to move on with it and so on and so forth yeah but i think there's a there's a needed message in the world that says someone is going to come even with what the message they give our daughters in the world generally is that the prince charm is going to come and then you're going to live heavily happily ever after and he's going to make you happy and you're going to love him forever and he's going to learn there's going to be no problem and perfect. and i say to much there's nothing as long as we're on earth there's no perfection on earth and there's no perfection in any human being no indeed no i totally agree definitely so okay so can you tell us a bit more about what you do as an image stylist consultant yeah so um so i always call it um building confidence from the outside in can I ask you how you got into it? How did you get into from being yeah, a naval so, officer? It's very interesting transition. <laughs> I know, right. Um, so I moved, I then I became a stay-at-home mom. Yes. And when I turned 40 um, yeah. that year, and um, that was 2014, but in the January following, um, I was in quite a tricky place in my marriage and I thought mm -hmm. I might have to leave. Um, and my mum had given me some money so that I could do something for myself. And so one of my friends was an image consultant with half okay. color. And I went and I had my colors done. And basically that, that's a way to um, doing a lot of drape comparisons. Okay. And it's a scientific method. But basically it determines whether or not you need warm or cool colors. Yeah. And then whether or not you need within that, whether you need bright colors or you need a more muted colors. I know I'm wearing bright coral today, but I am an autumn, which means I'm warm and muted. So okay. that's, those are the colors that make the most of my natural beauty or okay. whatever, you know, it's our genetics. So those are the colors that suit me. Um, so I did that. And then a year later, I went back and did the style piece, which is basically you, you 
you learn about your body architecture, so how you dress your shape, right? Yes, we'll have a shape, but how we merge that with our personalities. And we have um, 23 what we call clothing personalities. Okay. So it's a blend of different combinations, and that informs sort of like the shape, not just the shapes, but the amount, the kind of patterns you need and the kind of fabrics you need and mm -hmm. like the type of shoes and jewelry and like it's the whole kind of kit and caboodle. Um, so that you're always authentically dressing you, right? Well, so some people don't like to wear dresses. Some people could think of nothing better than to wear a dress all the time and a pair, a pair of heels. And yes. so we're all very different. Um, yes. But to start to get there, you, um, my consultation for that is the conversation. There's a bit of measuring and there's a bit yes, of talking, yes. but it's about talking about appearance and like how you see yourself in the world and your lifestyle so you might like to wear ball gowns all the time yeah. but if you if you live on a farm there's no point in having a wardrobe for ball gowns right so we talk about the practicalities okay, yes. as well but um for me it was and i'm sorry that was the start bit um so i kind of half lost your question don't I? um so i went and had that done and then the consultant my friend she gave up she um she moved on to do something else and she's okay. still in the area and they were like oh Tracy you should you should do it you're so good at it you really love the yes. you know half the color journey and I did and I thought there's no way my husband would ever let me do it a he wouldn't let me have the money and he wouldn't let me right because there's a lot of he wouldn't let me do blah wow. blah blah that was the story and yes. yeah. um, he died unexpectedly he was still in the navy so we had um the military, all the military benefits that went with him mm. having died in service. Yeah. And um, I just knew. I said, I'm going to buy a hospital franchise and train to be a stylist. I'm like, I hadn't even worked out the childcare. Yeah. Because I'm in Cornwall. Training was in Watford, which is yes. near London. Yeah. Um, I was like, if I, I'll, I'll just figure it out later. And so their godparents came up, because my family's in the States. Yes. So um, the girls' godparents came and stayed with the girls, and I'd never been away from the girls more than maybe one night in the whole of their lives, mm. like ever. Right. <laughs> so um, amazing. I had to go away. I had to go yeah. away three times. I went away for five days the first time. The next month I went away for eight days, and then the next time it was two weeks. But I came back at the weekend, so I couldn't have done it without. Like my friends. So what was that like for you, considering you'd never really done being a what what was what satisfaction did you get in doing that? Because it seemed it seemed like a totally new journey for you. Yeah. So sort of discovery. It, yeah. yeah, so the job that I do, because it is about bringing out the best in my yes. clients. Yeah. It's not about making them like me. It's mm. not about making them like Claudia Winkleman. It's not making them look, you know, about being like Jennifer Lopez or the Kardashians or anybody else. It really is about meeting the client where they are and helping them to find themselves and find their own confidence and find their own way of being. It's just such a positive, there's nothing mm -hmm. negative in it. I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of work as a small business yes, owner, you know, that, yeah. and trying to build a client base and all that stuff. But the actual work of dealing with clients so they're all like they can see how beautiful and individual and it in the part of the process it really helps you understand 
as individually as unique as you are, so is everyone else. And so it actually broadens your mind to the fact that actually it's okay that I don't like that. And it's okay that that person doesn't like the way I dress because it's not about me. It says about, it's about their personality. So I can appreciate perhaps that something that somebody's chosen to wear looks amazing on them and it's not for me. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like it doesn't, not everything is for me. And it really adds that. And then a lot of times this work becomes the key to personal development because women pr- traditionally don't spend, because we don't have time or we don't think we're yes. worth it, mm-hmm. to spend on actually thinking about. Sometimes the first time you get asked, like, well, what do you like? Like, what did that little girl like? You know, what did you always really love that you think you don't have permission to love anymore because you're too old? Yes. Wow. It, it's, so it's really, it's a lot about permission. It's a lot about freeing you. So it's a confident it's, builder then, isn't it? Building absolutely. Of confidence. And I, I'm sure the outcomes when you see the beginning and then the final decisions being made and the transformation, it must be very self-fulfilling or the it feedback is. you get. Yeah, it is, and because it's not a magic wand. Mm, right? of I course. Tell my it's client, a process, it's not, yes. It sounds like counselling, actually, like therapy. It, yeah, it, it can be. Yeah. I give you a set of tools. It will only work as well yeah, as you true. take that back and you work at it. I'm there to support. You know, it's not like, yes, thank you, now go on your merry way. I actually like to have clients re-engage. So do you have taster events or so? Do you have a taster event like where you invite people to come and to showcase yeah. what you do? I have you open do. studios. I do, do. Um, How I often do, do you do that? Uh, well, <laughs> starting to get it all in the schedule, isn't it? I try to have events um, sort of maybe quarterly. But okay. I do run a lot of Facebook um, groups. Like I okay. do um, something called like a wardrobe workout. Yeah. which is a two-week, um, it's a private group, it's £30. Yeah. Basically, it just takes clients step-by-step step through the wardrobe, and it's a way for people to work with me who haven't, you don't have to be a House of Colour client, of but course. it's a way to, like, get to know me. Um, I developed it during COVID because, you know, people had stuff to do, but, like, they of wanted course. to access, I thought, everybody's got a wardrobe, everybody's got too much stuff. They don't know how to go through it. Um, so I run those a couple, I run those a couple of times a year. So I do lots of little like Facebook weekend challenges and things like that. So where can we find you as a... As a consultant? So yes, my yeah. franchise area is West Cornwall. Okay. Um, but you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and you found me on LinkedIn. Yes, um, yeah. so there are house of color stylists yeah so do you do online um, consultations or does it have to be in person color color is the only one that has to be done in person okay but style can be done online makeup classes can be done online okay. um, i do accessorizing you know so it's all we do personal shopping mm. i can do wardrobe edits online so there's lots of stuff that can be done online, but color has to be done in person. Okay. So if you were to go to um, www.houseofcolor.co.uk, you can go find a stylist and you put in your yeah. postcode and it will tell you where your closest one yeah. is. 
I was quite surprised how many, um, because obviously I do my research if I invite people, but I'd, I was amazed because when I used to read your, about you, I didn't know there were so many stylists all around the country. I didn't know it was that quite big a company. It, it was such an eye-opener because I did put in my postcard, oh, well, that's all around here. Da, da, da. But it's amazing. But um, so, what, so what would be the last word you would give to someone listening to us tonight in terms of your journey, where you were, where you've gone into business and where you are now? Can you define how you are now? compared to perhaps before in finding yourself? Has it been a greater discovery of self and fulfillment? Uh, and better yeah, choices? Absolutely. A, because I would have never, I've never considered myself. I mean, I, I've always been kind of one just kind of trip, trip through life, you know, like, oh, yes, I just landed yeah. up in that situation and that mm. situation. Um, But I started having to decide, mm. right? I couldn't just go with it anymore. Yeah. Um, and when I've made, I'm a big one for instinctive, like knowing, and then going back and figuring out why I know that's the right thing. Yes. So I do listen to my gut quite a lot. Mm. And um, it's that scary but exciting not mm -hmm. so scary you can track and go, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Yes. But that, that bit of creative tension, maybe, yeah. for like a better, you know, the frizzing of like, oh, that's a bit scary. Or, oh, but, but I can you, still can do see, yes, you can see the, the opportunity. Benefit, yes, yes, yes. You don't know how it's going to mm -hmm. work out. Mm -hmm. But actually, we don't know we're going to wake up in the morning. Of course, yes, yeah. It's interesting, though, because I, even when I look at my life now, I always remember I used to love writing, but since Marsden's passed, I've done so much writing. And I now remember that it was always something I used to love to do when I was, well, way before I met my husband, when I was very young. But it took me back because I, I find of all the things I do in my business, what I enjoy the most is writing. I like, I, it's just so easy to write. All oh, the, yeah. I just find, I, and then, because it's a time, it's amazing when we, become single again and this is for those listening out there it's very important to see a silver line in every situation we find ourselves or perhaps not it was a silver line there's always a re you're still here so there's a reason why you're still here so in being here today as a widow wherever you are in your grief in the world there's a reason you're here and try and find what is it you always love to do and that mm. might be that would convert or strengthen your journey out of grief into recovery. And that's what I found. I just found my writing was something that really strengthened me. And so the journey continues. Life never ends as long as you're alive. And I'm sure Tracy agrees. But can I thank Tracy for coming tonight? It's been short, sharp, but fulfilling. I'll Wonderful. put your contact you details. Me. I'll put your contact details in the summary notes. It's lovely meeting you. And I would like to perhaps join one of your, attend one of your consultations in the future. Sounds so I would love to have you. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you to our listeners. And this is just to say, we met today, Tracy Mose. She gave us our experience. It's been quite insightful. And we thank you very much. And to those who are listening, I hope you at least pick up something from this. 
And now I'm signing off again. This is Yemi Majekodumi from Widow Recovery Secrets. Stay well and stay blessed. Thank you very much. <laughs> Let's go.